0: Praise God. All right. Um, So today, I've got, I brought my cousin with me. This is my cousin on the front row, Courtney, not to be confused with my wife, Courtney. Some of you always ask, why isn't your wife with you? Well, it's pretty simple, actually. I've got two girls that are basically teenagers now and um, they serve in the church at our home church uh, that my dad pastors at Northview and uh, this morning they're running cameras and probably holding babies and all kinds of stuff my girls serve and so we've kind of made a point to make sure that they even though that that we travel uh, that they get a lot of opportunity to serve in lo- in a local body and as uh, someone who travels in ministry. I believe that's very important because a lot of kids that travel don't get to, they, they get to serve on the road, but they don't get to serve in the local body. And so we really felt like it was, uh, it was a good thing to make sure that they got to serve on a regular basis. So my wife took them over there this morning and, uh, she's her and the girls send their love here. But, um, so you get stuck with this one. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so Courtney's got a couple of things, uh, go ahead and bring those up here hun, if you would. and. Um, and just stand there with him for just a second um i've got some books and resources and apparel on the back table back there and uh, i want to highlight a couple of things this first uh, the first thing is not extremely spiritual but there is a spiritual aspect behind it and i may be talking about that this t-shirt that we've got five seven eight three it says the year of the remnant and then it has this thing that looks like a high heel on the front this is the letter gemel in the hebrew and i may be talking about that in just a moment uh, but this is the hebrew calendar year 5783 and um, i I've, I've the lord spoke to me at the beginning of that of this hebrew year and said it's the year of the remnant and i'll probably explain that here in just a moment and then on the back of this shirt has got our our groundbreaker international logo on it we've got these in different sizes in both dark blue and then the heather gray and And we've got uh, Praise Hard shirts back there. We've got some water bottles. Uh, So make sure you visit our table afterwards. All of this supports our ministry. And then this book right here that she's holding up, Injection of Insecurity, that's the first book that I ever wrote. I used to be one of the most insecure people that you'd ever meet in your life. And God wrote this book. He just used me to pin it, how I was delivered out of fear, rejection, and insecurity. Do you know that insecurity is a veil that keeps you from your destiny in Christ? It will that is one of the biggest biggest hindrances to keeping you from your full destiny in Jesus is insecurity. So if you know someone that deals with that that would be a great book to pick up. The next one here is the realm of healing. Stories and Strategies of God's Healing Power. If you need a healing or you know of someone that does, or maybe you want to be used by God to pray for people's healing, this is a powerful book uh, with some great content in it that uh, that has helped a lot of people. And so I want you to visit us back there. Let me ask you this. Wait a minute, Courtney. I'll keep you up here. Uh, what, What size of shirt do you have there that you're holding? What size is that? medium uh who wears a medium that wants well i saw it right there do you want that give give that to that sister right there yeah god bless you now i'm going to give out one of these books and i'll let you you choose which one somebody that does not have one of these that wants one run up here real quick come on somebody's got to move somebody's got to move first one to move okay give them both give them one or the other you know yes there you go. Thank you so much. Thanks, Court. Um, so for those of you who don't know, most of you know who I am. Some of you don't know. Some, most of you don't care. But our ministry name is Groundbreaker International. Uh, you can find us on our website at www.gbreaker.org gbreaker.org we've got some uh, cards back there on the table some business cards if you need to remember that website Uh, we do have a youtube channel as well make sure you subscribe do we have any youtube subscribers in here oh praise god bless your brother oh thank you oh thank you all so much So if you haven't subscribed yet, check us out on YouTube. God has grown that channel. I have not grown that channel because I am not that cool to be a YouTuber. But for whatever reason, God uses me and this ministry, and we've seen that channel. We're just about up to 30,000 subscribers. We're getting really close and growing. Man, praise God for that. And so we do a lot of Hebraic teachings and things on there and uh, teachings talking about revival, a lot of live broadcasts as well. So make sure you check us out. Um, Something that I want to mention, some some changes in our ministry as of late, and I was just talking to Sister Donna before the service, and she said, oh, brother, you need to mention that. And I said, well, Lord willing, I will. Um, We recently have taken a church... uh, south of here now i mean like really far south i'll tell you where it is here in a minute and um we don't pastor the church but we're we're covering it apostolically and we have adopted an island and the lord spoke to me about four years ago and uh pam you probably remember this i don't know where she went you remember the san salvador and um And just now that's starting to come to fruition and God's opened up the door. So we are now the apostolic covering for Fellowship in Christ Kingdom Ministries, San Salvador in the Bahamas. (laughs) Who wants to go to the Bahamas? (laughs) I said, oh Lord, thank you for letting that be our first church in the Bahamas. God, thank you for your grace and mercy. You know, Who knows what the next one might be? It might be Alaska. <laughs> We've been there, haven't we, Courtney? It's very cold. So um, we're very thankful the pastors down there um, have already been reporting to us. There's a spiritual thing with this apostolic covering. There's things that have been unlocked in that. And God has started to use uh, uh, this ministry as a conduit for a hub of revival now here's what's interesting about San Salvador the name San Salvador is the Latin name that Christopher Columbus gave that island when he discovered it he renamed it from Guanahani Island which was the native language which was the natives that that own the island and when Christopher Columbus stepped onto that island which was the first fruits of America he renamed it Holy Savior Island. There's a big white cross when you get there in San Salvador and it's a marker uh, that that was the first island that Christopher Columbus landed on when he was discovering the Americas. So if you're following, that island is the first fruits of America. If you understand first fruits, anything... The first of something that God sets aside, that is sacred. The first of everything, tithe comes off the top, amen? It's the first fruits of things. It's set apart, it's sacred. So that is a first fruits of America, and God told us, he spoke to me and said, "I want to redeem the first fruits of America Island, and I want to make that a hub of habitation. And as as you begin to to understand the significance of this, you'll understand uh, the the timing and everything. And God's wanting to break out in America now. This was only a few months ago that we officially took, uh, started to even talk about taking this island officially, and so." Um, so now we've got a church on the First Fruits of America Island, and we are seeing God move. We were there; my wife and I took a trip there back in January. I know it's a God assignment. Trust me, He told us to go, and He told us to go in January. I'm not making it up. And um, and so we went down there, and um, and the first night that I was there, and I've been there, I was there five years ago, but this was different we walked in on a friday night and there were a bunch of youth and kids all different ages that were in that place and i walked in there i was tired our plane was very delayed because we were getting ready to come off the runway Uh, to San Salvador from Nassau got ready to lift off and all of a sudden they turn around they said uh, there's a check engine light that came on and we're going to turn back around and we're going to try to get this fixed I'm thinking don't get it fixed get me a different airplane (laughs) check engine light comes on a car yeah okay go fix it check engine light comes on an airplane I'm not going in 100 feet of that thing this is not happening. So, so, hours later, we get on a, on a new plane and uh, get into San Salvador, go into the church service that night with all these, these kids there, and they're just staring at me. They don't know what the, the white guy's doing there. What's this guy doing? It's his deal. So, I just, the Lord gave me just a simple illustration about an airplane prop, and I started preaching the gospel to them. And a few minutes later, I opened the altars up and I said, now, who wants to receive Jesus? Because you don't just want to know him or know about him. You want to know him. It's a totally different thing to know who he is and not just to know about him. Almost every one of those kids in that place come run to the altars. I gave them their hearts to Jesus, some for the first time, some rededicated. And then I said, okay, kids, now we're going to have a drinking party. Now, if you understand the Bahamas and the culture, the kids know exactly what drinking alcohol is. I said, but we're not drinking alcohol. And they go, what? What? I said, we're going to drink of the new wine. We're going to drink in the Holy Ghost now. And I said, here's what we're going to do. And I explained to them, just like I did with you this morning, I said, your spirit is going to connect to the spirit of God and just receive him. Easy as that, isn't it? simple to come to Christ, you come to him like a child, amen, and, and, and amazing things happen, we make it so complicated sometimes in the body of Christ, but if a child can get this, anybody can get it, and so these kids, they, uh, they said, okay, uh, Eric, we're going to do that, so they lifted up their hands, they started to receive from God, and a couple minutes later, the Holy Ghost broke out in that place, I have never seen the likes. The pastor's wife told me we have never seen this on San Salvador. There were kids, unprompted, mind you, that were travailing under the power of God. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, started speaking in tongues. I'm not prompting them on on what to do here. This This is not charismatic movement 101 that I taught them. I said, connect your spirit to the spirit of God and watch what happens. And these kids were so open and hungry, they did that. And there were kids crying out to God all over that building. They took me out, and there were kids out in the hallway laying down on the ground crying out to God. When we left, we heard that, that the young people on that island have been so stirred. And the church in and of itself, when we left, uh, the last I heard, they need more chairs in the church because the church is already starting to explode and grow. See, this is what God, one thing that God has assigned us to. And there's something about uh, a spiritual having a spiritual covering, a spiritual backing, and um, God has assigned us to this island as the, the the first strike. But I believe that there are more, and so I wanted uh, I wanted to tell you those stories today to let you know what we're doing outside of just traveling and ministering. There's things going on uh, outside of just that, outside of even just YouTube. God is using this ministry to reach people from all over the world. And it's all thanks to him. It's all him. It's not me. Amen. And so we have a big vision this year. And I've shared the vision with your pastor. Um, It's way beyond me. It's bigger than anything that I've ever done. But um, we're believing God for major increase. Amen. For this to be done. And so we just want you to pray with us that God would send every resource that we need and then some. To accomplish the vision, amen. Without vision, the people perish. And so, I believe that it's very important uh, that we make the vision, make it, write it, make it plain, so that other people will know what's being done and if they're led to sow into it, amen. So, I just wanted to tell you that today to encourage you, amen. Um, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. To Judges chapter seven, and I want to talk to you today about the Hebrew calendar year. And one reason why I, why I pulled that that shirt up here is because it had a visual on it. Now, sister, I gave that shirt to today. Now, there's a stipulation on that. Okay. <laughs> no. I may need you to uh, hold the shirt up once or twice, okay? Okay, can, can you do that here in just a minute? Okay, Sissy, okay. So um, that, that'll that be our visual, but I'm gonna to talk to you about the Hebrew calendar year, and I wanna to preach to you a message called Remnant Arise. Remnant Arise. Now, for those of you who don't know or don't understand, there is a remnant... Of God that is rising up in these last days and we have been praying we have been prophesying this over the past year or so and we've seen it come to pass this year it literally has happened with the Asbury revival that broke out just this past year, and then started to leak out onto other universities, and even in churches, my Lord, it's revivals breaking out in churches. Who would have ever thought? <laughs> and, and even into the movie theaters, we're seeing God move uh, through some of the Christian films and things. We're seeing amazing things, but let me tell you something. This is the tip of the iceberg. It's not the whole iceberg, Revival has not completely swept this nation yet. This is the tremors of revival. This is the precursors to revival. And it's going to take a new God awareness like never before here in these last days. And there is a remnant that's rising up out of the fakeness. Because, you see, I could ask almost anybody in, anywhere in America... Do you love Jesus? Are you a Christian? Nearly everyone's going to tell you, yeah, sure. Most of them, not everybody, but a majority of them are going to claim to be Christians, and they go to church, or they go to church sometimes, or their mom went to church, or the grandma went to church, and so I'm saved because, you know, I'm Catholic, because I'm Presbyterian, because I'm Pentecostal, because I'm this and that. But let me tell you something. There's a separation happening right now between the sheep and the goats. Between the fakers and the real thing. And let me tell you this. The remnant is a small number. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't shout me down on this. I said the remnant is a small number. It's not the majority. And so I'm going to talk to you this morning about what the remnant is now the hebrew calendar is very interesting because the hebrews actually the jews that they, they have four different calendars so i get i get corrected on this online all the time it's not you know uh, rosh hashanah the real calendar is this and then i'm like well actually you're wrong because there's actually four of them and then they usually shut up <laughs> And I'll tell them there, there's an agricultural calendar, there's a spiritual calendar, there's you know there, there's a, a civil calendar. What we're talking about here is the civil calendar that Israel goes by. Okay, now one is five seven eight three. Well, it's believed that that being the civil calendar in Israel, that it's been five thousand seven hundred and eighty three years since God created Adam. Okay. Now, say, well, prove it. Well, I can't. I wasn't there. I'm going by history, right, and studying out history and what the Jews believe, even in ancient history. And so I will tell you this. Since studying out the the Hebrew calendar for years now, I've found that it is extremely accurate that there's a grace that's on The Hebrew calendar, now there's a grace of God on our calendar as well, on the Gregorian, but it's different. This is a spiritual thing. There's a grace of God on this calendar. It's not a fortune-telling method, but what it does is it's patterns that God instituted, laws put into the earth since the beginning of time. And so these are patterns that you can look at and you can see. How many of you remember the sons of Issachar? They they knew the times and the seasons, but they also knew what to do in them. And I believe that God is is bringing back some of this uh, deep teaching today so that we'll not only know the times and the seasons, so that we also know what to do in them. All right? So 5,783 years since creation according to the civil Jewish calendar. Now... I'm not going over the 5,000. I'm not going over the 700. I'll give you a brief on, on the 80, which is the decade that we're in. The decade correlates in Hebrew. There are 22 Hebrew letters. And the number 80 correlates to the letter pay. And pay is the form of a mouth. And it means to speak out to declare come on somebody you're literally sitting in the decade right now in the hebrew calendar of declaration of decreeing things of speaking things that are not as though they are you say well eric that that that's just bible all the time absolutely it's bible all the time but there's a special focus and emphasis right now on declarations decreeing and declaring you don't you know why Because 5780 started on the Gregorian calendar year 2020. Let that sink in for a moment. The decade of the mouth starts, 2020. And what happens when God's people are instructed to open their mouths? All of a sudden, we're supposed to close them. We put masks over our mouths. Now, I'm not here to argue about masks, I don't care. Okay, we're, we're done with it. All right, it's over. Amen. But isn't it interesting that there's a pandemic that comes along that the CDC and that everybody on the internet and everybody starts saying, you need to cover your mouth with a mask. And then what did they tell the church to do? We need the church to shut down and by all circumstances, do not sing. Sing. Don't open your mouth because it spreads the germs. Now, don't you believe that the enemy is a liar and a mocker? And the enemy knows the Bible better than most Christians do. And the enemy would know the times and the seasons because he was a part of the heavenly host before he fell. He was Lucifer in heaven. And so he was an archangel. And so he would know and understand all of these Hebrew letters, all these things. You say, well, brother, why would he know all of that? Well, it's very likely that the Hebrew language is the original language that God spoke the world into existence with. And that each one of these, and Jews will tell you this, each one of these 22 letters are containers of the character of God. So each of these letters, I know, I'll get the Holy Ghost chills. Each one of these letters are containers of understanding God better. They all have uh, numbers and symbols tied to them. So that if we study this out, we begin to understand the word of God, and we understand God more. And how many of you do understand, let me just preface this, the entire, well, most of the Old Testament is written in ancient Hebrew. And so it's literally the word of God that we're studying. So don't tell me today, you didn't preach the Bible. That's not in the Bible. All it is is the Bible. It's every letter I could show you. It's in there. It's in the Bible. So so we're in the decade of decreeing and declaring, all right? Now, let me get to the number three because that that's the, the meat of where I'm going to. And then I'm going to talk to you about Judges and how it correlates to Gideon. Are you all okay? Everybody good? Okay. Uh, so, sister, it's your time. All right. I want you to show them. Do you see this? You see this high-heeled letter right here on the far right? There you go. Stand up and kind of show it to everybody. That funny-looking thing on the right, it looks like a high-heel. Well, it's interesting because it's actually a picture of a man walking. So, this is the number three in the Hebrew. Thank you, sis. You can sit down. This is the number three in Hebrew. And, um, and so, we're in the year of the Gamel, the year of that letter right there. And it's a picture of a man walking. Now, where is the man walking and who is that man? Well, I'm going to show you right now. This is crazy. So, the man is walking toward the next letter. The next letter is the letter Dalit in Hebrew. It's the number four. Okay, the Dalit is a picture of a man that's bent over, listening humbly for the coming gamel. And Dalit in Hebrew, if you spell it out, that word Dalit actually means impoverished or in need. So the Gamel is said to be the rich man, running after the Dalit, the impoverished one. To deal out something to him. Now, what is he dealing out to the poor man? What is the rich man dealing out to the poor man? He's dealing out, as Jewish sages will tell you, tzaddik or charity. Because of the humble nature of the Dalit. So the Dalit is in need. He's impoverished. He needs something. The gamel has come to redeem the Dalit to deal out blessings because he is humbly listening for his coming. Oh my Lord Jesus, somebody come on right now. So guess who the gamel is? Well, the Gamel is very interesting. It's actually another letter because all letters are made up of other letters. You know why? Because God's word is eternal. It just it all connects. So the gemel is made up of two letters, a vav and a yod. The yud is that little foot thing on the end of it, and it's said to be the foot that's walking toward the Dalet. But you know what the letter vav is? The letter vav is the number six. It's the sixth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it, it's uh, six, of course, is a number of man, or a man. And the vav, the original pictograph, was of a spike. Oh, come on, somebody. So the man, and and the vav starts at the top in heaven, and the vav comes down to the earth. Oh, Jesus. I'm gonna blow your minds this morning if you you want. So the man, the the God-man, come on, somebody, in heaven, the Son of God came down, wrapped himself in flesh, to the earth, took the spikes in his hands and feet so that he could come become the gamel, the righteous one, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, Redeemer, and Savior. Come on, somebody. He is the rich man coming to deal out. To the poor man, the impoverished ones, who are in need of salvation, who are in need of healing, who are in need of everything, we are on our backs with nothing. We have nothing without Jesus Christ. He is the kinsman redeemer, the Yamel that has come to give us salvation through his blood, through the spikes in his hands and his feet. Now, I might preach, so. Don't be afraid. I just get excited. Now, that's the year we're in right now. You say, well, that's just really cool. So, he's coming to deal out. But there's a caveat here because the Gamel is coming to deal out something. But it's paradoxical. In other words, this could go two different ways. Because the Gamal is coming to deal out depending on what he's walking towards. So if he's walking towards the Dalit, those who are in need of him and are aware of the need for God, he's coming to deal out blessings. He's coming to wean off. That word Gamal there actually means to wean, wean or wean off of. So in other words, he's not just coming to give you milk to give you a little touch and say, okay, here's your salvation. Here's your little blessing, mama. Here's your little blessing, you know, and you just be happy with everything that I give you. He's coming to deal out or wean them off of their dependence on the things of this world and and bring them independence upon him, bring them up into maturity. But if they're not dull if they're prideful standing up on their own, Trying to do things themselves with the spirit of pride. He's not coming to deal out blessings. He's coming to deal out judgment. Pride goes before a fall. The original sin, pride, Satan fell because of pride. God hates pride. But God loves dependence. Dependence on him so we are in a time period literally right now of dependence on god of understanding our need for him and we are in a time period where god is coming to deal out to those who are humbly listening for his coming he's coming to deal out blessings and for those who have stood up proudly and that, that, that try to make things, manufacture things on their own, try to get their own breakthroughs without the spirit of God on their side. They're, they're, in other words, they're, they're in the church maybe, but they're sinning on the side. Come on, somebody. Uh, People that are evil in this world that denounce God, people that claim God, I'm even talking about politicians right now that claim God and they live like hell behind closed doors, he's coming to deal out judgment. Somebody's going to put some things together here in just a minute. This week has been a wild week in politics, but I'm telling you right now, God is coming to deal out judgment upon where judgment is needed. Come on, somebody. So, Judges chapter 7, I want to talk to you about Gideon for a moment here. I know it's getting late. I'll go as fast as I can. Okay, uh, 5 o'clock it is. Uh, Snacks, yeah, we'll get the people something to eat. (laughs) Judges chapter 7, I'm going to read seven verses here, and I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. Now, whatever you have is still of God, okay? And it says this, beginning in verse 1, Judges 7. So, Jerubbabel, and that's the nickname for Gideon, Jerubbabel that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Harad. And the armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Moray. Then the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So guess what? 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Now, 10,000's not bad for an army. They, they, they probably could have done some damage on the Midianites with 10,000 people. But the Lord told Gideon in verse 4, there are still too many. I'm sure Gideon's going, okay. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them. To determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands and all the others got down on their knees and drank with all with their mouths uh, in the stream. And the Lord told Gideon with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. And Gideon said, why me? I added that. So you start with 32,000 warriors. And God says, this is too many. Just ask them who's afraid. And 22,000 of them going, oh, yeah, we're kind of afraid. We might die here. And he goes, everybody go home. So they all go packing, leaving them with 10,000. And then out of that 10,000, God does something interesting. He puts a test together. How many of you feel like you've been tested before? Amen. God puts this little test together and He says, I want you to take them down to the spring, down to the the creek, as we say here in southern Indiana. Take them down the creek and tell them to get a drink. Now, it's hot. It's desert. It's the Middle East. It's probably not too hard to get these guys to drink. Drinking's important, amen? The water is important to them. But he says, now I want you to watch those who get down in the water and start splashing around and burying their heads in the water. There's a, the, I want you to get rid of them. But watch for the ones who take the water and cup it in their hands. Now, why did God do this? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. There are two tests of the true remnant. The first test is the test of fear. Who's afraid? First of all, who is afraid? I am. Okay, go home. That's an easy test right there. In Judges chapter 7, verse 3, this is where we see this test. Now, I want to parallel that to what's going on right now. I believe in 2020, we crossed over into another decade on the Hebrew calendar. It was, it was a time period that God began to test the remnant. Now, I do not believe that God sent a, a sickness, I don't believe that God sends or manufactures sickness. But I do believe that God can use any situation for his glory, and he will. And so I believe in 2020, all we heard was fear, 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 fear. I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm afraid I don't want to go to church anymore because I might get sick I don't want to send my family there because I don't want them to die I don't want to do this I don't want to go to the store I'm too afraid put my mask on her down and sit until Jesus comes back 22,000 the majority God says done and guess what happened a lot of people in the church never came back I'm just putting a timeline together here for you. First test is the test of fear. The second test is the test of awareness. Oh, come on, somebody. The test of awareness, Judges 7, 5 through 6. He says, take the men down to the stream and see... How they drink. Why did he do this? Well the majority of those 10,000 men that were left. Got down in the stream when it was hot out. And they're splashing around. They're dunking their heads in the water. And they're drinking. And they're gurgling up the water. And they are not aware of the fight around them. Come on. But 300 of them. Stood at the stream. And grabbed the water and brought it up to their mouths. Why? Because their heads were on a swivel. They were aware that of the fight. They were aware that of the situation that was going on. But they were still drinking. Now, I want to tell you something right now. I believe in drinking in the Holy Ghost. I believe it. You need to drink more. I would not be where I am today if I would not continually drink of the power of God. Most of you knew me. Pam knew me before when I was a little pipsqueak kid. And I did not drink of the Holy Ghost. I was just a smart aleck kid that called her Jaws. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Skip over that part. Edit that out in the thing. There you go. But because I learned to drink, something happened about 12 years ago at my dad's church. It leaked over from Terre Haute. There was an outpouring of the Spirit that broke out. And one of the biggest, the, the biggest things that we've had to hold on to is we continue to drink of the presence of God. It's important to drink. It's important to get loaded in the Holy Ghost. Whoa. We've got a friend in New Zealand named Graham, and he makes the sound. He goes, Whoa, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's important to drink. I'm not downplaying that. However, we've got to stay aware of the fight around us. There's a reason those those 300 men were drinking, it's because they were getting ready to fight. So we drink of the presence of God so we can be used of God in the battle. Say, what's all this Holy Ghost drinking stuff and people getting drunk in the Holy Ghost? Well, we're getting loaded up on the Holy Ghost so we can fight the battle. Because the battle is not in our own hands. It's in the hands of God anyway. So if we're loaded up on the Spirit of God and we take the Spirit of God out with us, He's already won the fight. Ha! That's pretty easy, isn't it? so those two tests brought it down to a remnant now i believe that through the past few years that the remnant of of god has started to rise up and we saw this year a remnant of god's people you know what i loved about asbury my favorite thing now uh, um you know, it would, nothing there is anything that I haven't seen before in the, in the church. Power of God, singing, people, there was even some demons cast out and all this stuff. I see it all the time. Not, I'm not downplaying it. It's fantastic. But you know what my favorite part is? It's a bunch of Wesleyans and Methodists and people that have no idea about this stuff. They just opened the doors and were hungry for God to do something. And he started with a small remnant of people in a little chapel that grew to masses. And within within the masses, this is my favorite part, they actually had large ministries, I'm not gonna name the ministries, but they had several large ministries reported that called the offices there at Asbury and said, um, love what's going on there at, uh, at the revival. If you would like my services, I'm willing to come And help you with the revival. Being that I'm on television and I'm, you know, this and that. And I've got this large man, we'd like to come and help you. And you know what they said? Um, Well, we appreciate that. Um, You're more than welcome to come if you can find a seat maybe in the back and worship with us. But we don't really need you to come and give us your interpretation of what God is doing. It's my favorite thing uh, because, and not because I'm against big ministries. It's not that. It's because uh, God will supply for the humble. Because the Dalit, those who are in need and humble, will be supplied by the gamel. Remember the gamel? Come on. See, I told you. I told you. It all lines up. It all lines up. All right. I'm going to blow your mind again. How? Uh, what time y'all get out of here? Okay. All right. That's all I need. Um, Gideon. Who is Gideon? Okay. Well, Gideon in the Hebrew means hewer or one who cuts down. Hew means to chop, to cut in the sense of a warrior. So literally Gideon in his remnant He was the leader of a remnant that cut down. He was, it was in his name to cut down, to mow down the enemies. All right. But here's what's interesting. Gideon, I'm going to spell his name backwards. And there, there's a reason why. I'm going to spell Gideon's name backwards in the Hebrew. Okay. First of all, we have the letter noon. It makes the N sound, noon. And then we have the vav. Remember the vav is the spike, the man, number six, the spike. And then we have the Ion. And then we have the dalet. Now remember, I'm going backwards. Remember the dalet is the fourth letter. It comes right before the gamel, which is actually the first letter in Gideon's name. Remember the first fruits I talked about, about San Salvador. The first of everything is set apart from God. So, in the Hebrew language, when a word begins with a letter, there's something specific that God's trying to show you. And being that this is the year of the Gamel, we're literally in the time period of Gideon because Gideon's name starts with Gamel, number three, four, Dalit. Gideon, one who cuts down. The Gamel, the dalit it's all intertwined within this time period, within his name. He's leading the remnant of God's people, portraying that over to the time period we're in right now. I believe that God is raising up Gideons during this time period who are humble, who are impoverished. Now, I don't mean in their pocketbook. I mean in their spirit. They're poor in spirit. They're listening for the coming Gamal. The only one that can do anything anyway is Jesus Christ. They're listening for the one to deal out to them the blessings of God so that they can lead God's people into victory. So the root word of Gideon is the word Gadah. And it's made up of the letters Gamel, Dalit, right there, three and four, and the letter ayin. And Gadah means to cut into two. Now, the number two of being great significance shown again this year as Gideon's name reveals a dividing of two camps. Those who are in the tent and those who are out of the tent. Do you know what last year was on the Hebrew calendar, 5782? Do you know what the two was in Hebrew? It's the letter bait. Do you know what the letter bait represents? It's a picture of a tent. And it means dwelling place. So, or house. And so this year we've we've moved into two camps the true remnant of God in those who are fearful, and those who are totally unaware of what God is trying to do. Oh, hear ye the word of the Lord, bless thy fellowship. Do not, Get so caught up in the things of this world, in the things in the church world, that you bury your head in the sand and don't understand that God is fighting a battle for you. And all you have to do is listen for his instructions, do his will, be obedient to his word, and get fully loaded in Holy Ghost power. And you will march through and cut through your enemies like a knife. Now, huh, Jerubabal, remember I said, was the nickname for Gideon? Do you know what Jerubabel means and do you know why they called him that? Jerubbabel means let Baal contend. Now, Baal, of course, was a false god. Why would they nickname him that? Because Gideon was known for smashing the idolatry and the idols of Baal. He cut them down. Understand something. To be a part of the remnant and for God to raise up Gideon's part of that calling is cutting the idolatry out of our lives we want to cut it out of the country, but first it has to start in us. We can't be a part of the remnant if we're holding on to idols and we're holding on to worldly things. Jerubbabel Smashing the altars of Baal. Folks, we need to get very serious about our awareness for God, about living for Him, and about smashing every idol in our lives, in our families, and in our generations. If you want this country to be saved, you need to start in you. You need to let God begin something in you. Because the country will not be saved unless you're saved. Do you know why? Because you are the country. It's got to start in us. We've gotta get our eyes back on Jesus Christ. There is a remnant rising up for those who aren't just revival talkers. They're revival walkers. They're not afraid to fight. And they are prepared warriors who have been processed and are aware of the true nature of the fight. They are aware of God at all times, and they are joined together as, as, as to the two sevens in Gideon's name. They're joined together under one banner. Now, I want to tell you a story, and then I don't know what's going to happen. I want revival in this country. I'm sure most of us in here do, but we don't know what that means. You don't know what kind of sacrifice that is. Do you know the easiest way to revival? Get your eyes on the reviver. Stop chasing after a breakout and let him break in. When's God gonna break out in our church? When's this big thing gonna happen? When's it, a Never. You know why? Because you haven't let him in you. Fully. I'm talking about full-fledged sacrifice. Here's the story. And this is this is very recent. Um, About a month ago I want to say it's about a month maybe a little over. I started having cravings. And I started having these insatiable cravings for, this is very spiritual, um, (laughs) cheesesteak. Now, I love cheesesteak. I do. I love all kinds of food, but I've had to be very careful with my cholesterol. So I only have these treats like on the weekend, right? So I started having these cravings for cheesesteak like crazy, I went to Philadelphia back uh, several years ago. Never thought too much about it. We were on our way to another ministry meeting. Never thought too much more about it. But about a month ago, I was having cravings for cheesesteak and started having this heart, heavy heart, for the city of Philadelphia. Didn't know why. Started watching YouTube videos about Philadelphia. I wanted to be there so bad. I knew I had to go. Didn't know why. Doesn't. It was it was just there. I don't know how to explain it. It was a spiritual hunger inside of me to be in the city of Philadelphia. Didn't have any money to go at the time. No extra money, right? And so I started praying seeking the Lord. There was a bunch of other stuff going on with some friends of mine at the same time. And I had uh, one of my friends prophesied to me and said, I, there is an urgency for you to go to Philadelphia. When you said that, there's an urgency. You've got to go and um, you, you've got to make some declarations or something there. There's going to be a key and you're going to go to Independence Hall. And when you go there, you're going to find a key. Okay. So long story short my dad started having dreams about philadelphia and cheesesteak <laughs> i said praise be to god so my dad calls me one day and he says well he said i'm in i'm all in he said i'm gonna take you to philadelphia he said Just don't even worry about the cost he said i'm gonna take you said, i'm gonna fund it and i'm gonna go with you I said, okay. He said, now what are we doing when we get there? I said, I have no clue. But out of obedience, the Dalit bent over. I have nothing. I'm humbly listening for the voice of the Lord. I'm humbly waiting for that Gamel to give the instructions. We're just going to go. So a couple of days later, I kid you not, a couple of days later, we hop on a plane We go to Philadelphia, get a rental car. First thing we do, we get in the rental car. Dad says, what do you want to do first? I said, John's roast pork for a (laughs) cheesesteak. Worldwide, no. Hole in the wall place. We go there and eat the best cheesesteak I've ever had in my life. And I said, Lord, this is apostolic and prophetic activation right now. I lift this steak up to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And I enjoyed every moment of it. I stayed with me for three days. <laughs> we go check into the hotel and he says, uh, what do you, you want to do now? I said, well, I've got to go. The only thing I know I have to do is I've got to go to Independence Hall. I don't know what I'm doing there. I'm probably going to pray a little bit, but I don't know. Before I left, my wife told me, she said, you aren't bringing that shofar, are you? <laughs> Uh, not on this one. She goes, you won't get it through security. Go, what are you doing with that ram's horn trying to bring it to Independence Hall? So we go to Independence Hall, and I'm standing there, and we're listening to their spiel and talking about the history of America. And this is the room that the Declaration of Independence was signed, and this is where Thomas Jefferson sat, and this is where George Washington was, and this is where they used the restroom, and this is where they, you know, ate lunch. And I'm like, okay, okay, this is it's cool. I've been here before. It's cool. And But all the meanwhile, I'm sitting there asking the Lord. I'm like, God, why am I here for one thing? What do you want? I'm impoverished. I have nothing here. I I don't even know why I'm here. But I'm here. And it was prophesied that it was for the sake of America. Nothing happens. I pray a little bit, you know, under my breath there. And uh, we walk outside, and I'm just kind of standing there. My dad, he says, well, what do you want to do next? I said, well, just, just give me a minute. I said, I'm getting a download. I feel the Holy Spirit, but I'm not sure what's going on, so I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. All of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I said, what's this other building over here? He said, I don't know. Let's go see. Start to get a little bit closer. It's a building that's attached to the main building of Independence Hall, and it's the west wing of Independence Hall. At first, I thought it was a gift shop, the way that it looked, and Got a little bit closer. It says, housed in this room are copies of some of the original documents of America. Under glass in this room, they had an original copy of the Constitution. and It happened to be George Washington's copy. They had, um, I I believe, copies of the Bill of Rights and and just a few different things. And then the the well, the ink well that they dipped the pens in to write uh, some of the documents. And, uh, and all that was great and everything, but I felt God in there and I'm like, what is going on? All of a sudden, I'm walking around, it's a very small room and they're closing in like five minutes. So it's like, God, you've got to give me a key within five minutes. And I look up and lo and behold, there's Hebrew writing on the wall. This is Independence Hall on the west wing. And my dad and I look over, I'm like, well, this is a plaque written in Hebrew. What is this? It's a big mural with all kinds of writing. And then I looked and zeroed in on one word and was spelling it out, because I don't speak fluid Hebrew. I'm more into the symbology and stuff. But I can get my way through a few words here and there and recognize some words. I I said, la mehrecha. L'America. I said, this is America. This is the Hebrew word for America. I said, what is this? I started to study it out and looked around, and this same plaque was in other plaques all over that wall in different languages, in Chinese, in Japanese, and Japanese, in Portuguese, and all these different languages. And I looked, and I finally found it in English. And the words that I saw stuck with me. What that plaque said in Hebrew and what it said in English Eyes on America. We had to leave about that moment, and I didn't even get a picture. And I told my dad, I said, we have to come back the next morning when they open because I've got to get a picture of this. I've got to see what this plaque is. But all through the night, I remember the Lord spoke to me, eyes on America. And God gave me a declaration. Do you want to hear what the declaration is? The declaration that God spoke to me when I walked out of that building was, God, turn your eyes back to America As we turn our eyes back to you. Now, you might say, well, that doesn't sound that profound, but it's pretty simple. Our eyes, our awareness of God has to increase. You see, folks, we get our eyes on buildings on and i'm not bashing any of the lights and all this stuff we have that stuff in our church too it's not bad but we get our focus on great worship on great preaching teaching that's not what god wants us to keep our eyes on our eyes in this country have to be locked on the eyes of jesus the coming gamel The righteous one who's come to deliver. The kinsman redeemer. He's coming to deal out either blessings or judgment this year. Depending on the state of what comes after it. If we're impoverished, and I mean humble, bent over, listening, and waiting on the instruction from God. We're watching for him. I believe that this country will be saved. But if we're prideful, we're Americans. We've got all the answers. and We're raising up, doing whatever we want to do, and we're rebellious. Then he's coming to deal out judgment. As I studied out the word for America in Hebrew, I'm going to give you this really quick. America in Hebrew, this is, this is the deep meaning of it. This is what it means. It's the Aleph, the Mem, the Resh, the Yod, the Kof, and the Hay. America. The Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. I don't have time to go into it. I talked about this letter for an hour. If you add up the letters in the Aleph that make up the letter Aleph, it's the number twenty-six. Number 26 is the same numerical value of yod heh vav which is Yehovah, God. So the Aleph is actually a picture, a representation of the Almighty God. The Mem is a picture of waves of water, but it also has the connotations of nations, or something large. The Resh is a picture of a head, or the back of the head, and means the head or the chiefest of things. The yod is a hand. And the word yod spelled out actually means hand. It's the word in Hebrew for hand. And specifically, it's symbolically the fiery hand of God. The cough is a, an odd letter, so to speak. The original pictograph was a monkey, and it meant unclean but it was a paradoxical letter, so it meant either clean or unclean because the idea is that God takes the unclean things and makes them clean through his righteousness. And then the last letter of America, the hay, means breath, wind, or spirit. It's the, the letter of the Spirit of God, the hay. What does all this mean? Well, when you put it together... All of those letters and the definition of what I just told you, here is what America means in Hebrew God is the head of the nation, His hand has set it apart by His Spirit. You see, God, His eyes are on America right now, His eyes are on this nation. And we are in desperate need, not just of a revival meeting, we're in desperate need of the kinsman redeemer, Jesus. We need him desperately. If you're truly a part of the remnant, you'll truly understand your need for him and your awareness of the true battle. The battle is not yours, but his. We can't fight in the natural. We must fight in the supernatural. And the great news is that he's already won the war. So my charge to you today is this. Are you a part of the true remnant of God? And before you go, oh, yeah, 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 brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Count the cost. Because it'll cost you everything. Everything. Even your life. You want to be a part of the remnant. First thing you need to do is die. Die to your flesh, and get your eyes completely on Jesus Christ. There's not any more time for playing around. I've I've, I've been I've was raised in church sister donna i mean i've heard this so many times you know quit playing church quit playing church yeah it's almost become a a buzzword or a phrase stop playing church what does that mean stop playing games with god there's many people maybe even in this room today that you proclaim god you say that you're a christian but you don't produce the fruit of because your life is not completely sold out to Jesus. If your awareness and your eyes are more affixed to the basketball games, to the hobbies, to hunting, to fishing, if your eyes are more affixed, on your comforts and your houses and your cars, the things of this world, if your eyes are more attuned to that than they are the Holy Spirit, then you've got an issue and you're not part of the remnant. We just say it blunt. You're playing around. And as times get tougher, things get harder, the true remnant will arise. We already saw a glimpse of it during COVID. Brother, I've seen people, I've watched people dance around the altars. I'm all about it. Praise be to God. We're all about it. I saw people that were all, you know, all fired up for Jesus and people thought they were the most spiritual things in the world. COVID hits, fear comes in, they're out the door and they never come back. So we've already seen the test of fear. And now we're seeing the test of awareness. Do you hear the Lord speaking to you right now? Do you hear God calling you? Come closer. Get your eyes on me. Get your eyes off the things of this world. All the religious acts. All of these things. All you need is me. All you need is Jesus. Now I can't pump you up. I can't manufacture a revival for you. There's no one that can do that. There's no such of a thing. Do you know what revival is? It's bringing something back to life that was dead. So if you're dead and you need brought back to life, I guess you need a revival in your life. But you know what? I would rather have a habitation. You know what habitation is? That means He lives. He lives among you. That means when you go to work, when you go to school, he there. And you have relationship with him. You get in the car to go to the store, God sits right beside you. Lord, what do you want to do today? How can I help you? You think that's crazy? No, that's called relationship. That's what it is. No more go to church on Sunday and Wednesday and then do whatever you want the rest of the week. No, that's not true relationship with God. And I challenge that in Jesus' name today. That's a spirit of religion that you have on you. And when you come in and you say all the Christian words and you say all the right things and you walk out the door and you totally forget about God the rest of the week. That's the same thing as those, those uh, uh, warriors at the stream that were dipping. Oh, they were all in, man. They were getting the power of God. And they were dunking their heads in the water. Had no idea about the fight around them. But the ones who were drinking of the presence of God. And aware of the fight. And they were watching. Come on, somebody. For the coming Gamel. They were listening for the voice of the, of their leader. I'm paralleling this. They were listening for the voice of God in that moment. God, what? is it that you want me to do right now? I'm ready. I'm ready. Who wants more of Jesus? Who wants more of Jesus today? Listen, if you want more of him, I want you to take, before we do any music or anything, just yet says, I want no mood music, no prompting or anything. If you want more of him, the altar is open right now. Whether I lay hands on you or not, it doesn't matter. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. It doesn't matter. I'm not Jesus. You can receive from him whether somebody lays hands on you or not. So I want to invite you right now. There's one, anybody else, That I, I, it's just an open invitation. This is not a formal altar call, is it? Who wants God? Go get him. Go get him before he comes back. Lord, forgive us, Jesus, of getting our eyes off of you in this nation. Forgive us, God, for not paying attention to you and not listening for your voice, Lord. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.com. O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.